Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. Hello, everyone. I'm back for another episode, and I'm super excited to introduce you all to today's guest. On today's episode, I interview an ordained priestess of Isis of the Tantric Rose Lineage, a sonic alchemist, and a ceremonial space holder. She recently organized and hosted the two-week Embodied Creative Summit, which you can still purchase online, the entire Summit Library. And will be leading an Egyptian tour, an Egypt tour called Into the Mystery, A Journey of Remembering, this upcoming December 2023. Welcome to the Winner Circle, Leah Scenaria. Hi, Derek. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, I had the honor to participate as a listener and audience in your Embodied Creative Summit, where I learned so much from you and your very guest. Uh, and I'm still making my way through that um, huge library that you recorded um like that i mentioned intro is still available for people to purchase on your website um flow preach flow priestess.com the goal of these conversations is to really to uplift inspire and empower everyone tuning in to move forward with greater faith on their hero's journey ahead stepping outside kind of the known world and into their must into their calling and you've done that so many times on your journey to set us up, um, I ask like a really positive question. It's the goal of these conversations is just to really keep it light, keep it positive. And this first question sets it up as such. What do you love about your world right now, Leah? Not about the external, all the chatter, all the media, all the news, but your personal world. What do you love about your life right now? Mm, such a great question. Well, to be honest, it really is becoming a lot more exciting and magical and there's a lot of unexpected delightful things that are starting to drop into my world right now and these come in the form of other people uh like the summit was an example of me actually just traveling for the better part of this year and then going to different events festivals plugging into different conscious communities all over the place in Egypt and because I was there last year as well, um, Costa Rica and also the US. And just on my travel flow, I just started meeting these humans that were inspiring. They were just doing the thing and really tapped into their truth and their, their purpose. And ever since I began this journey of of diving into my own healing and also learning about these ancient arts, these, these mystical ways, these practices and incorporating those into my life, I really began to see things shifting in terms of the, the things I would magnetize. And it doesn't even just stop there with people. It's, it's also just free gifts and opportunities that I wouldn't get in other ways. So I do feel like I'm riding on this current right now, which I call flow consciousness. Um, that really lines me up to the highest possibilities, but it's happening in this way that I definitely could not predict or make up. And I'm really in this 
this deeper co-creation with the universe with how my life unfolds and yeah this is another example of that just just new new opportunities has come my way and I, I, it's been a while since i've lived a conventional life in terms of having a nine to five job i think i've been self-employed uh since 2012 and uh so it's always kind of been my my way of being is that i've always sort of made my own way but now it really feels like there's there's a deeper co-creation at work and i'm i'm also surrendering to what the universe has in store for me which i know is better than i can imagine mm -hmm, absolutely um one thing that you shared there is like you met so many people doing their thing and i see you and like you're doing the thing but you're also being it you're also embracing the flow and i think it's a balance of that being and doing it and I think some people in the spiritual community they don't like they only on they only do the one thing like the being they just kind of sit there and just think the universe will take care of everything I don't believe it's such I believe like it's it's a balance of the two doing and being uh what are your thoughts on that yeah, well, the way I like to look at things is through the lens of the divine masculine and the divine feminine energies, and we have all of them. We have both, and 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 it's a full spectrum. It's not just one and and the other. There's definitely many versions and flavors where they blend together. But when I think about it, it's like the doing is the divine masculine, and the being is the divine feminine, and how we incorporate the two, which was a major theme in in the Body Creativity Summit. Uh, is really create increase that potential for creation and you actually get to manifest at a higher level because you have both those energies that are required you need to have the structure and the plan of the masculine but you also need to have the flow and that that surrendered receptivity of the feminine so that things just happen in the way they're meant to and often uh you know, most people aren't even aware that those are energies that we're meant to navigate or work with, so they don't really get to know them at uh, at that level of 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 not just understanding but feeling it. What does it mean to be in my masculine? And that summit was for sure being in my masculine, where I was very task oriented, and there's a lot of things going on. Um, at the same time, there was a deep feminine piece that had to adapt and had to really trust in the process and just go, well, I'm not sure exactly what order all of these things are going to happen in. I'm not sure who's going to come through. I'm not sure uh, what kind of challenges I'm going to brush up against. But because I have that higher vision of, of bringing something into the world, uh, they do kind of work with each other. And, and there's that, that dance that we always have to go through when we're playing with those energies. But for me, that really helps to anchor in uh, sort of a, a deeper self-awareness around maybe where there are some def deficiency, deficiencies rather with those energies and how we can enhance them a little bit more. So maybe we do need to nurture, for example, our feminine side. And this is really what I would say most people need to uh, focus a little bit more on is that not not pushing and not trying to control everything, but also being in that surrendered state where you can let the magic in and it can guide you and you can be more in that listening space and feeling into what's needed and then respond from there. So yeah, it really does help to put it into that context because then we're constantly in this beautiful flow and dance with, with the divine that wants us to be in our fullness and then we can fill in those gaps and how we can get there. Mm -hmm. 
So where did you come into your knowledge about the divine feminine and divine masculine? When did you learn about this? Um, and maybe if you could explain the foundations to this knowledge to the audience that has not heard of this or doesn't have great awareness about the divine feminine and masculine and how it applies to our life. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we could just start with divine human. What does it mean to be a divine human? Uh, because that is also a really important concept. Uh, one of my teachers, Aline Kalila Dowdy, calls it being fully anthropos, which means being a, a fully realized human. Uh, we've kind of been limited over the last few centuries or millennia in thinking that, you know, we are we are the mortals and the gods are up there. But I would say now we're really starting to understand that the divine is a stream of energy that flows through us and animates us and we get the gift of being alive as a result. But when we open ourselves to that greater capacity through uh, different techniques of uh, mindfulness and meditation and embodiment work and breath and understanding all of these really powerful practices that the ancients illustrated to us across many different lineages and you teach yoga so you know this you know it's and it's something i was dabbling in for a long time because i've been teaching yoga since 2009 and um it's something that at a conceptual level i understood you also have these mythological frameworks of Shiva and Shakti and Isis and Osiris and and now Mary Magdalene and Yeshua are a big one. Um, these divine consorts of these different relationships, but they are the fully realized version, the healed versions of what it means to be human. And to me, to be a healed human, you have to connect to the source that made you and that 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 energy that, you know, isn't um, clouded or distorted by by religion or certain perspectives that create a very rigid outline of what god is and what you are in relation to it but rather that it's this journey and this exploration of becoming divinized and realizing that you have the capacity to create at that level as well so the the divine human is really a master creator because they are they are operating in the image of creator and creator is is universal there is you know it's not it's not just one lineage or religion that talks about it it's like we are always trying to unpack that question of how do we get here and why are we here and who are we as a result of this understanding um mm -hmm. so for my own personal journey uh after studying this in yoga and again at a conceptual level understanding it my true introduction to the divine was really by understanding what the divine feminine was and it this only happened fairly recently in 2019 where i uh, had a i had a sort of a big breakdown in my life a lot of things were falling apart my 11-year relationship was ending after we just bought a house uh my company my clothing company that i had founded and and built up for seven years was really starting to feel a strain and i was financially taxed i had a lot of responsibilities with paying my employees and things were changing trend wise and i was just i had built this thing up that i thought was going to sustain me but then things started going down and, and at the end of the day my health was suffering and i just needed to make a change so i decided to sell my company and luckily i did find a buyer but i did feel like it was a failure and so there's a lot of things it was kind of my dark night or my it was like a late saturn return for me and 
through that process, I decided to go away to Guatemala and join a circus, which was kind of a crazy thing to do, but <laughs> there was an opportunity uh, to just get out of my, my current environment and I needed to. And at that residency, I learned a lot about different things, uh, energy, flow arts, meditation, sound healing, all these are really amazing things like ecstatic dance, which I had never experienced before things just really started to open up. And also one of the pieces that came through while I was there was about the, the female reclamation of our power and the womb and our blood and all of these ways that we've been essentially deceived into thinking that we were somehow gross or disgusting just for being bleeding beings. And that was a huge one for me. And then that led me to the priestess path and other teachers that uh, really taught me how to be in my body again, uh, because for so long, even though I had taught yoga for many years, even it kind of dropped off when I was running the company, but it wasn't, it wasn't this uh, flowy exploration of my body. I never danced before. And when I started doing these uh, ecstatic dances, I would just get into these trance-like states and certain certain downloads would start coming in and I would be like, I'd just be questioning all of the conditions, all, all of the stories that I'd been told about who I was as a, as a woman. And so, yeah, that was a really big one for me. So really understanding that there was this missing link and it had been shrouded for so, so long that it literally almost been completely deconditioned out of us to to look to the earth as great mother and to listen to nature and to go into our bodies and heal from within and to listen to the voice of our wombs and to come into right relationship with what we've done as a humanity and all of these reckoning pieces were coming in really strongly like one after another after another after another and then the pandemic was really my um my big initiation happened uh i actually got pregnant during the pandemic and i was really struggling with that decision i was uh, with somebody i love but we had only been together for a few months and we kind of clung to each other to the during the pandemic um as as one does when you think the world is going down and you have your little quarantine buddy um and uh yeah, that decision came up and I really had to think about what I was going to do. And uh, there were some medical things that I had experienced in relation to my reproductive organs uh, several years prior that were, you know, also factoring into whether or not I was, uh, you know, passing up on the one chance I would have to have a child. And that also turned me back to the practice of listening to my body and listening to my womb. And I remember just crying one night so distraught about making the decision and i just something some voice just told me ask your womb just ask your womb what the right choice is and so i did and i sat with it and it told me that the time isn't now to have a baby it's time to birth something else and i listened and i went through with the abortion and that was my full initiation into the the true priestess path which uh allowed me to cross that threshold from death to rebirth and really having an abortion is experiencing death and birth at the exact same moment mm -hmm. and 
so deep and it led me to the goddess Kali and I started to piece together my story around my connection with her and she's the goddess of death and destruction but also the clearing away of everything you're not you know she she comes with her machete and her fire and it seems very ruthless and brutal but her role is really to melt away all those layers of uh, numbness and and you know all the things that have been placed on us to shroud us from our true power as both as men and women and so that that kind of led me onto a memoir journey and i started writing a memoir and it's almost done now uh but it really helped me unpack what was happening so that piece about the divine feminine you know and understanding her faces as both benevolent mother and also maybe the dark mother that is in service to our rebirth uh was a really powerful one and now i'm going through this process of getting to know what the divine masculine looks like and, you know, returning to certain avatars like Yeshua or Jesus and going, what is really the truth underneath all the different layers of, of religious interpretation? What was he really trying to say? And, and both him and Mary Magdalene, who are these, these amazing avatars that are coming back to light, uh, they were just preaching the power of love. That's it. It really is quite simple, but it starts with that self-love piece of how much do you really love yourself to guide yourself or to find the guides to to support you in moving through those bardos, through those those harder parts of the journey. As we all know, on the, the hero's journey, there are going to be those trials and tribulations and you've got to find your intervening mentors, whether it's yourself or someone else. It's usually a combination of those. Uh, but to even know that you're art, that you're on any kind of journey, I think is a really good starting point. And that was really how I began to start to embody those higher realm energies and bring them into my life and commune with them on a regular basis and know that they are me, but there's different aspects and flavors and energies and archetypes that we all can relate to and embody and learn from. And so it just creates this really amazing mythological storyline that starts to unfold. And it's been it's been wild since then, like we said in the first part. Uh, now everything's just a little more magical, a little more sparkly, and just feels really fun. So that's mm -hmm. just, but hopefully that resonates. Oh, absolutely. What an incredible journey. I have so many questions to ask from there. Um... <laughs> Let's um, start with love. Um, you mentioned Mary Magdalene and Yeshua, the divine feminine, the divine masculine, the foundations to what they share and what they teach is love. It's a big word. What does that mean to you from what you've learned on your journey um, so far? What does love mean to you? What mm. is that? Wow. What a beautiful question. You know, love, love is the uniting force. It's the glue of the universe. And we will never know it to its fullest capacity because it is so expansive. It is beyond the mind, right? It's like, it is like that infinite well of resource that we all have access to and that streams through us. And that is our job to give forth and emanate. Uh, but I think the whole point of being human is to understand what love is through a, a fully visceral lived experience of relating and understanding how we are one, you know, even though we live in this realm of separation, I am me and you are you, when it comes down to it, and if those core universal truths that every single great sage has been alluding to is that, you know, we are one, well, how can we make that case? 
How can we build a body of evidence to, to affirm that that is the truth? And I feel like now we're really coming into this time where we are starting to truly understand what it means to be in right relationship with all things, starting with ourselves uh, and knowing that loving ourselves is the, the initial spark that generates that toroidal field of energy that keeps expanding out from that heart center and that we can now encapsulate you know, bigger space and we can have a bigger impact on the world just by loving ourselves to a certain degree mm -hmm. and knowing that that also relates to then our immediate circles and our families and uh, the, the ones that within our proximity and then that expands to community. And then within that, there's just this greater connection to great mother energy and great father energy. So how do we love the earth? How do we love all the animals? How do we love all the plants? How do we love the rocks? Like all of these beings, they start to become more um, of a, a personal connection. I remember actually during this, the pandemic, I went, I would go for these walks because there was really not much else to do. And I'd be thinking about my book and different storylines and themes. And then I just walk up to a flower and I would just receive this transmission from the flower as you know it was embedded in the geometry i would i would notice oh my gosh this echinacea has this sacred geometry in it oh my god and just allowing it to to imprint me in some way with this metaphorical communication of how we're supposed to translate this uh the transmission to me I would receive it. And this was something I learned from one of my teachers who was really, uh, he, she taught me about, her name is Elaine. It's the same woman I referenced before. Uh, she would talk about the feminine consciousness, which is a lot more symbolic and a lot more metaphorical than our, the masculine conscious, which is very uh, literal and, and linear. Uh, and so I was trying to invoke that feminine conscious more and more and more consciousness more and more and more so that as i go through the world i am living as love i am an emanation of that and i'm starting to see these connections go beyond the the more obvious ones and how do i build a relationship with the the sky beings or the air or the clouds or the different elements and so yeah it's really just about building the web and like following those threads and Another analogy is the tapestry. It's like every every single one of us has that 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 thread and how we intersect and how we, uh, you know, cross pollinate creates that greater image and picture of what we're all painting together. Even though we don't even really know what that's going to be, but that is going to just be another representation of who we are of of who we are as love. And one of the um, tenets that I really go by, which I think is, um, to me, I, I would define it as, as what the priestess path is at its core, is mm -hmm. love in service to love. And it really is just that simple. Be so love in service of love. Be love in service to love. Love in service to love. And I think you mentioned it starts with loving yourself. What does that look like? How do you, how do you currently love yourself? What does that look like? What are the foundations of that to you? Yeah, that's another great question. Well, for me, it's really tending to all my parts and all my layers 
and being devoted to that. Uh, one of the things about the priestess path is it's really about uh, understanding how to look at all things as sacred. And, and it's any spiritual path for sure. Uh, but in this way, it, it's, it's around ritual. It's around how do we show up every single day for ourselves? And I know it all depends on lifestyle and time. And there's many constraints that you know, people are always grappling with. I happen to have a lot of spaciousness and the luxury of a life where uh, I can I can invest a lot in my own self-care. And I, and I see it as an investment because not only is it good for health, but it's also increasing my capacity to expand. And so I can hold greater and greater space without getting burnt out. And I can expand in such a way that doesn't doesn't leave me feeling inflated or doesn't doesn't allow the ego to take the reins and start doing its own crazy thing. So mm. to me, I think is true leadership also is like when you're self leading and when you're showing up for yourself through certain practices that are, you know, non-negotiable and it doesn't have to be the same thing every day. Like for me, it really is my physical practice. I have to move every single day. Sometimes it's dance, sometimes it's, it's weights, sometimes it's cardio, sometimes it's yoga, but I have to move and I have to move with my breath and I have to allow myself to, to feel into what is present. And I'm actually not a daily meditator. <laughs> I've kind of switched it up to being a daily communer. Um, okay. I have this practice where I do spend about five, 10 minutes every day, right when I wake up in the morning and I just check in with my guides. And now I have this deep relationship uh, with Isis. Uh, she's the goddess of magic. She's kind of this great mother energy in the Egyptian lineage. Uh, and I check in with her and her and I are building this relationship where I, I ask her for the guidance and I listen. And th that art of listening has really supported me in just knowing how to make that next choice, <laughs> you know, because we're living in a time of there's so much that we can do. And, and of course, so many of us are, are feeling that, that guilt of like, wow, we have everything at our disposal, but most of us are just wasting our lives. Or, I mean, that's kind of a projection, but I think, you know, often we get analysis paralysis or overwhelm when it comes to the, the many options that we have even if we are aware of all of these amazing things we could do and practices and life hacks and biohacks and all this stuff. Uh, but, you know, just starting really small, starting, starting with like a couple of key practices. Like for me, I really enjoy doing breath work as well. So I do that every day. And then I also do a cold shower and that's kind of supported me as, as, as well as proper nutrition and just being, um, you know, aware of what's coming in, not just physically, but also my, my media consumption and all that stuff. So setting really strong boundaries for what I allow into my life. And also just making sure that these kinds of things that are, that I know are good for me happen at the beginning of the day. <laughs> so that, that also sets myself up for, for success. Um, but yeah, there's many other things that I've explored and and I just like jamming on this stuff because, you know, even with the Egyptian lineage, there's so much that I'm uncovering now about ways in which they worked with sacred symbols and different breathwork practices and different forms of magic that are 
they're very effective. <laughs> and so I'm just always an eternal student when it comes to self-care. And because that also is the line of work that I do is that anything that I come across that is effective for me, I want to immediately share right away. Mm -hmm. Be like, mm -hmm. this? this is a new thing. Um, because I think we're all just walking each other home in this way of how can we be more fulfilled in life? And the best way to do that is to just really tend to all those bodies. And then of course the, the emotional body is a, is a huge piece. And that's really tied in with the physical body. I remember doing certain dance journeys during the pandemic with one of my teachers, Mana May, and she, she'd be like, yeah, just so you know, you might break down crying while you're doing this. And, you know, lo and behold, here I am breaking down crying and making peace with my mother wound or, you know, just these, these deeper inner healings that have to happen in order for us to really step into that next level of mastery. And it happens many, many different ways. Like I've also been on plant medicine journeys and breath work was really big for me too. Shamanic breath work, uh, different, different modalities in there's like a men, like, you know, there's amazing, amazing teachers that have uh, really kind of shown the way of, of how to hold yourself in through these deeper cathartic experiences. But in, at the end of the day, you're just still on that journey and exploring more and more of who you are as a human being. And yeah, that's all, that's all kind of like, I would say paying dividends in the long run, because once you have that as a go-to, then you can self-regulate a lot faster. And I think right now, one last thing I'll say before I pass it to you is that as a collective, we are starting to understand that, you know, we have these, these morphogenetic fields around us that are connecting all of us, you know, our, our brains are all hooked up to the big, the big mainframe of, of humanity. And there's kind of this, you know, when we rise in our higher consciousness, we are also beginning to expand into this collective field of consciousness. So as empaths, we tend to feel more about what's happening in the collective. And even over the last couple of weeks, I've been responding somatically to the to all the war stuff and having these moments of deep anxiety that I have no idea what is what the cause is. I'm checking my own life and it seems like everything's going well. And then all of a sudden I'm I'm on the verge of a panic attack and I'm, you know, trying to witness myself experiencing this. And then right away I'm like, I'm just gonna ohm. I'm just gonna ohm for like half an hour and just let it wash through me. And then it resolved. And so I mm -hmm. kind of like as a collective, we're learning how to regulate our personal nervous system so that we can also regulate the greater collective nervous system. And that is doing a big service. That's actually how you tap into that higher love to, to know that part of your role here is to actually start, uh, do the work of transmuting the, these deeper densities because they belong to all of us. You know, they're, they're in our waters, they're in our, um, they're, they're, they're stuck in the energy body. And as we do this, on on this higher level on behalf of the collective i feel that we can also start to pull ourselves out of some of these uh these predicaments <laughs> that we're still finding ourselves in that are not fully aligned to that higher vision of being in that full unity love consciousness so mm -hmm. yeah back to you <laughs> yeah for sure so out of all like these different self-care modalities that you practice there's movement there's cold showers there's proper nutrition there's um, consumption of media what media are you consuming there's oming um 
the thread that links them all, I believe, is the breath. And you mentioned breath work as being such a key practice in your life. Um, and you said you love to share what's working for you. So, yeah, well, let's focus on that. What's working with you in terms of breath work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, just knowing that the breath is how you bring in spirit, right? It's called inspiration. You know, in French, the word for inhale is inspire. So it's like, yeah, we are bringing spirit in our bodies and the breath carries prana, life force, and that there is this sacred exchange that happens. So I call myself flow priestess because I'm just fascinated by flow and how we move between these different polarities that kind of alludes back to what we were talking about with the divine masculine and divine feminine is there's always like one end of the spectrum that we're pendulating from and then the other and there is that ebb and flow and that expansion that contraction that always occurs as we're moving through life that's actually what animates us like it if we were all flatlined we would be dead <laughs> so that I think also for me, when I invite the breath into my body and I do specific kind called conscious connected breathing, but I've also done Winhoff with the, with the holds, like the, the conscious connected breathing didn't uh, specifically teach the holds, but I've incorporated the holds recently. And I do, I do like 11 minutes a day. I think there's a Wim Hof video that I always go to. That's sometimes I do it on my own. Sometimes I just do the Wim Hof video and, um, but it's the same principle that when you allow yourself to be present with what arises through the practice and you know some days those breath holds will feel very easy and some days i'll be like i can't hold my breath for longer than 20 seconds even though you're supposed to do like a minute and a half <laughs> and so it's really interesting to just monitor over time what's what's here and to be in full acceptance of where you're at that you're not really trying to change anything but the the practice itself is an exploration and i'm also a singer and i really love vocal toning as another practice it incorporates the breath of course because you have to breathe to sing but um having that exploration as part of my daily practice as well is really key because i think it's it's sort of a under tapped in resource uh when we know that our voice has the power to encode our field and that we can actually program our world through the voice because sound creates shape and it's really remarkable because with the power of intention i think with any modality what i'll say is is that it doesn't matter what you do it's the intention behind it mm -hmm. and you know and working with both intention and attention will bring you to that higher level of awareness and begin to entrain your being into this higher resonance right we're we're snapping to this greater field that is is like our our greater holding container which i see to be held by both divine masculine and divine feminine and when we just allow ourselves to do that through a practice like breathing and there's so many different kinds of breath practices and you know i i've studied many of them but for me it's just i like to do it in a in an easeful state that's that's kind of my baseline is that i also know that i have a tendency towards anxiety so for me i use it as a way to regulate my nervous system back to that homeostasis and humming is another really great way to do that because it stimulates the parasympathetic through the vagus nerve there's a lot of science around this as well 
but what I really love about it is that it's it's almost like a, a baseline that we can check against of like, how am I feeling today through this practice? Is there resistance? Am I feeling expansive? And just to track that over time, because another piece that I want to incorporate is that we are cyclical beings. Women are a little more cyclical than men because we have our menstrual cycles, but essentially we have been also deconditioned out of our cyclical nature because of this patriarchal thing where we have to keep rising and pushing ourselves to the top and you know never take any breaks because we'll fall behind and all this stuff but i think that's being rewritten right now because we are remembering that rest is just as powerful as action and it's necessary it's again another divine feminine principle that you know we we have forgotten that there are these fallow states where we need to really be okay with it being in the nothingness, being in the unknowing, being in the darkness and navigating through that and knowing that there will be a rebirth on the other side and that we'll be better equipped to take on the action as it's, it's as things come back into their cycles of, of flourishing. It really gives us that template to then gives us a, a little more grace uh, because still in this society we still like we're pushing ourselves or our own worst critics we're always feeling like we're behind we're like feeling we're not good enough and we'll never get there like all of these things are still very present no matter where you are on this journey i found like even with really high level people that i've worked with they're still coming up against the same limiting beliefs it's just on a different scale so at the end of the day when we can just go oh this is this is our design it's okay to rest it's okay to take a day off too it doesn't have to be this like rigid boot camp style like devotion or discipline let's call it you know i do like to see the distinction between discipline and devotion because devotion is a little bit more forgiving and it's okay to take to take those rest days if necessary but it doesn't mean you haven't that you're still not on the path right so there's there's that knowing that regardless you're gonna take another step forward and then each step is going to yeah build on the on the last and before you know it you've transformed and mm -hmm. recognize yourself at the end of it all <laughs> yes um one of my favorite authors his name is stephen pressfield he describes something called resistance and that is the negative force in the world that keeps us from fulfilling our dreams it's the thing that keeps us from like you're writing a book, but it's the thing that keeps you from continuing to write it or to publish it. Or it's a thing that um, stops you from doing your movement practice um, or stops you from doing your breath work or that keeps you in bed um, when you ought to be getting up. Um, what are your thoughts on resistance and how have you navigated overcoming it? Um, it's something that arises always. That's how really have you made peace with it? Yes. Well, I think resistance has also gotten a bit of a bad rep because it's a necessary part of of the launching. Like when you think of a bow and an arrow, right? There's resistance when you're pulling back, right? But when you can work with that resistance as like a dynamic tension that is going to propel you forward, then it actually is necessary. And resistance and friction and all of these things, like I I see them as polishing agents really mm -hmm. you need to be able to work through the discomfort like a snake shedding its skin has to rub up against all these rocks or whatever on the ground and it has to create that tension in order to actually emerge a butterfly needs to push 
into its chrysalis and break the walls in order to get out. So resistance, I think, is a really great teacher. I mean, when when there's stagnation, that is death, right? So we don't want to be resistant to the point where we're not, there is no forward momentum at all. Because forward momentum is actually the nature of our planet. We're hurling through space, <laughs> spiraling through the galaxy. <laughs> we don't feel it, but this is also the divine design of Gaia. She, because we are her, we mimic her. Uh, we're just fractals of of the great whole. But when we work with resistance in this way of of understanding that all good things need this tension, and I see it in in the arts a lot. It's like with storytelling a good story has tension it has like moments where you're not sure if the hero is gonna make it um everything else will fall flat if we don't incorporate that in it it is required uh, but our relationship to it is actually the most important thing so you know it this is really the superpower i think is when we can have the power to observe at the level of source, you know, take on source perspective and be able to witness ourselves as we're going through these moments of uh, challenge or initiation that that are going to come up regardless because, you know, we're on the hero's journey. <laughs> it's like part of our divine design as well. But as we notice and witness, and this is where our free will comes into play, where we can actually make the choice to see it a certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have the power to frame our own perspective and go, this dynamic tension, this resistance here is fuel, right? Like it is, it is either creating the banks of the, like if or molding the banks so that that river can flow through in a more precise way. So it's, mm -hmm. it's maybe kind of illuminating certain things that aren't working so that we need to make a choice to do something else. Or we can, so there's kind of an inner and outer perspective that we need to look at it's like are you are you are you the cause of this resistance or is something outside of you the cause of this resistance and if you're the cause of that resistance then then it's like let's go back to basics let's check the beliefs here like what are the things that are actually at the core root that are that are subconsciously running the show and then if it's external resistance then it's like okay am i am i not communing or listening or or uh, observing my external reality to the degree where I'm not cluing into these clues that universe is, is sending me. Like, so for business, for example, like, you know, the, the number one thing that is the success factor for a business is adaptability. Like, how can you respond to the shifts? So, you know, if, if you just have this rigid understanding of like, it's this way, and someone else told me it's this way and I got to go this way, even though everything in your field is is telling you it's it's something else. And often that happens like, you know, the hard way, the more you ignore the messages, <laughs> like universe just like hits a, a frying pan over your head and goes, you're not getting it, you know, and then there's these like yeah. deep of quote unquote failure that happen to redirect us right because uh you know rejection is just redirection in my opinion and so yeah how we how we navigate this how we dance with it is really the art of living and it's it's just a matter of really being aware so the higher the higher consciousness is really just oh, okay i can i can catch myself in that moment of being like oh i'm just not listening to my my higher guidance or i've not noticed this pattern come up within my own belief system or something like that so 
that's how I like to see it. Cause then, then it really becomes a, more of this, uh, this, this practice of, of, of listening and also responding or, you know, testing it out and throwing yourself out there and seeing what sticks because it really does take a lot of trial and error sometimes to, to figure it mm -hmm. all out. You know? mm -hmm. But even comfortable in that is the key. Yeah. I feel like you would have a similar outlook um, with fear. Um, navigating with fear would, I feel it'd be similar to how you navigate overcoming resistance. Um, can you think of a recent memory of where fear arose on your journey and how you worked with it to transcend? Hmm. Yeah. Ah, what is the last brave thing I've had to do? I mean, it sounds, it's just a little personal, but like when it comes to love, <laughs> mm -hmm. I like being brave in love is is the greatest kind of courage. I mean, it's called courage for a reason, right? Courage okay. in front of heart, right? And yeah, yeah. And the word encouragement also has that word, that root word in there. And so, you know, for me, like I'm on a I'm on a love journey, and I'm trying to find my one. And I definitely put myself out there a lot, and more than I felt comfortable doing, and like meeting new people and saying hi, introducing myself, and that you know, it comes. There's so much vulnerability in in sharing your true authentic self, especially if there is a desire to be met on the other side or received and and loved back or whatever it is. I would say most people. Ha have that experience where they're you know they're trying to navigate this whole this whole romantic world of how to relate at that level uh and and yeah sometimes the feedback is harsh sometimes it's not what you want to hear uh but at the same time like through that whole process it really is about choosing love again choosing how to love yourself through it choosing mm -hmm. accept the outcome and to know that it really is it's it's part of the perfect the perfect um uh orchestration of how everything is supposed to happen um but yeah for me it's really it's been in that intimate heart space that has been the hardest to because i can i can overcome other fears no problem <laughs> like like big challenges like i i kind of grew up with this uh, like prove i'll prove you wrong sort of mentality which i still feel does serve me because i mean i had a bit of a doubting mother and you know when i started my business she wanted me to have some corporate job and she and she kind of poo-pooed it until i was doing well and then she took all the credit because of course that's how it happens sometimes uh -huh. <laughs> sometimes you know there's a little bit of selective memory there but for me yeah i feel like um the, the true challenge is really loving yourself through all of it and and knowing your worth like truly knowing your worth and not being afraid to share your voice and share your truth and speak from that level like you know and when, when you asked me that question there's many different examples i could have come up with but the one that wanted to emerge was right now i'm really trying to be brave with love and you know that's that's the honest truth and it, it feels like oh actually after speaking it doesn't feel as hard <laughs> you know like it's taken mm. just bringing it to the light so yeah that's what i'll say right now i'm working through
Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I feel um, in order to open ourselves to love, um, we have to grieve what we've lost or what has passed passed on by. Like, for example, your 11-year relationship, um, there is grieving there. Um, and then you were in your COVID relationship uh, where you had to, and then had an abortion. So you have to grieve like the loss of that um, that child. And then I'm assuming the loss of that relationship since you're opening up for love now. So what have you learned about the grieving process uh, in pertinence to um, love? Mm. Yeah, what have you learned from from grieving and how to let go of what was to open yourself to what will be, what's yeah. to come? Beautiful, yeah. I mean, this really comes back to Great Mother as the map and how she releases and let's go like we're going we're in fall right now she's releasing the leaves like it's no big deal <laughs> like i don't need these leaves even though i grew them like everything kind of goes through its own death cycle and that you know knowing that that is the fertilizer the compost for what's to come really helps with the letting go process it doesn't mean that uh we don't have to go through those stages of, of really feeling, you know, there, there are different, different stages of grief. And, but I also know that that is fuel for that next level of creation. So yeah, lamenting those, those uh, past relationships or even past versions of yourself and to go, thank you. And just to be really grateful for what what has come like that's that's my my biggest practice you know aside from doing all those physical practices it's a practice of gratitude and being just so 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 in that knowing that we are so blessed for everything that we have as impermanent as it is everything goes away we're all gonna die you know there's nothing is guaranteed um except for that death and and taxes as, as they say but it's like just allowing yourself to be so in the knowing that that because we are impermanent that we have to live fully like that every moment is a gift that it's so precious every interaction uh, you know it's all fleeting but just to it, it just reminds me of uh you know how how precious and and delicate this whole experience of life is and yet we are you know, we do have that that responsibility also to hold each other through this bigger collective grieving process. Like grief is not supposed to happen in isolation. That's one of the things I'll say is like other cultures, they wailed together <laughs> and maybe overly dramatic, but in the West, it's it's like, there's a shame around it that, oh, we, we can't cry or yeah, we can't feel that or whatever. But now we're realizing like, no, can we just feel together? It's it, the solutions, maybe we, we don't know what they are yet. You know, right now it's it's a big moment in history where we're all just witnessing genocide and trying to figure out like, what can we do about this? Mm -hmm. But what we can do is feel with each other. And I think that's also really uh, powerful because that then brings our heart feels together and we realize oh all lives matter or how can we shift our our perspectives our actions all these things so that it's more inclusive that it's more united that you know it's it's more in the in the truth that we are all one and that we're all love 
so yeah for me it really is kind of this thing of like how can we feel with each other how can we use art to soothe the soul through that process as well mm -hmm. also the beauty of, of of you know why i'm so so passionate about supporting creative beings is that it is a it's a healing balm when we when we apply you know a good song and we're feeling something that that can support us in the moving of that energy then you know it will that process will happen faster and we don't don't get stuck in these grief cycles where we're in despair or we're you know we go into depression or whatever so that that to me i think is really the powerful keys to to be able to have that gratitude and then feel together Mm hmm. I feel another piece of the process is letting go. Whatever you learned about that. Um, yeah, letting go of that 11 year relationship or letting go of your last relationship or um, letting go of um, maybe your opportunity to have a child. Like, how, how do you let go? Well, they say that that's like the highest um, initiation, like it's the crown chakra initiation is to to be in that full non-attachment everything else like all the other chakras they kind of have like a shadow side and a healed side and and the shadow of the crown is is attachment and so that is it honestly is going to be a lifelong process of learning how to let go but at the core of it is is affirming the belief that it will get better <laughs> that through every release comes something good and and that's also something that i i do put into like my mantra practice. It's like this or something better, this or something better. Mm -hmm. But yeah, letting go is never easy. And, and also I have, I've had to like monitor my upbringing and my parents' tendencies. And I don't want to knock on my parents, but they tend to have this, um, it's, it's not easy for them to let go of the, certain things. <laughs> my mom grew up in a war zone, you know? So for her having things was survival, uh, mm -hmm. but, it's it's created clutter and there's been these things that it blocks the flow right so if 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 things are just being hoarded then it's another flow problem where if you allow for that releasing and and everything is meant to be circulated right currency is called currency for a reason it's 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 supposed mm -hmm. to be and we're reworking that whole paradigm as well and you know releasing money investing in yourself like you know, all these things have a residual effect because when it can, when it goes out there, it has the ability to do its thing and be amplified and it circles back around tenfold because that's just the law of um, amplification. And so I feel like trusting that anything you release will come back around. And also sometimes you have to be the first one to give, like if you have a, if you have capacity, if you can help somebody, Maybe just taking the initiative to do that is the right choice. Um, it could feel like letting go. It could feel like you're giving up time that you could be doing something else with, but it actually, if it's coming from that heart space and there is that deeper guidance and saying like, no, release this, like let go of this. Um, it's it's really remarkable how the world works in that way and the, the energetics and the the way things, yeah, really do come back around. It's it's cool to witness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, we started in the conversation by talking about the divine masculine and divine feminine. I have one more question about that, and then we'll get to the final questions. I ask every guest. Um, as a male, how can I best serve the divine feminine? And then 
on the vice versa as a female uh, what have you learned about best serving the masculine mm. Mm. I almost feel like just throwing that question back to you <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you know it's it's an inner game first I definitely studied a lot of different tantric traditions and you know asking yourself how can I serve my inner feminine same way I'm asking how can I serve my inner masculine uh, that's a good starting point and then really looking at at the allyship right how how do we support each other in in that self-honoring so there's definitely a process that everybody goes through in asking themselves like how have I not how have I not honored that aspect how have I not honored the feminine how have I not honored the masculine um, it can be a little bit shadowy going through that process of of reckoning and you know making amends and peace and and asking for forgiveness that's another really powerful sort of understated <laughs> key is that uh you know we we have done things maybe against you know the divine law or divine order that have created different residual effects of harm and suffering and knowing that also in a higher way uh, we've we've all played the role of vic a victim and perpetrator over many many lifetimes and you know people in the spiritual realm are kind of now tackling that <laughs> like how do i make peace with me as a cannibal in a past life like when you go to egypt these kinds of things start coming up and you have these memories of like oh my god i was like a crazy killer you know but this is also you know this higher awareness allows us to come into that resolu resolution within within ourselves first. And then the only thing that we have control over is how we act now and how we how we proceed in the future and how we treat each other now. So mm -hmm. you know, it comes down to like a really deep understanding that yes we have been through some stuff and we're accelerating very quickly we got to pat ourselves on the back for how far we've come over the last 100 200 years in terms of bringing ourselves back into that balance where the feminine actually is now somewhat present and it and i think over the last few decades it's sort of been like feminism was sort of just like let's put some pants on and be like the men <laughs> but that's you know that was a necessary step to getting into that more divine feminine embodiment which is like no this is this is actually equally as important to be in all these other states of being resting listening receiving all of those things so honoring where maybe those things haven't been in balance and then seeing where you can support others in that process um in your relationships and and know that you know we all have different upbringings different traumas different initiations different lessons to learn in in our lives so everyone's mm. gonna in terms of their path and what their triggers are as well like you know for me i i have a really great relationship with my father and my father is actually very feminine in his energy so i don't have the same kind of daddy wounding or divine masculine wounding that some others would um where there's like a lot of like abandonment and neglect my dad was actually more of a caretaker than my mother in some ways um because he had more emotional capacity than her so mm -hmm. that's also kind of an interesting thing to, to monitor so i just encourage anybody to just look at their own dynamics start with your parents start with your brothers and your sisters 
how you have related to the opposite sex and then and then seeing from a higher perspective knowing what you know now how to act in a way that is fully in respect of of that that energy or that um that quality and just do better <laughs> it's like we're all learning how to do better there's yeah so much now that we're learning about in terms of um the the different attachment styles and ways that we relate it's really fascinating but the more we know the more we can then put it into practice and mm -hmm. just better better humans yeah 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 no thanks for sharing that and I, like i'll meet your challenge and i'm going to answer that question i pose you myself and see what you, what you think but i think it's inspired by a lot of what you said um so for the how can how can a masculine best serve the divine feminine um i would say communication know your worth set boundaries and know when to let go um and in that letting go know that like the universe has better coming to like if if this situation is not the ideal situation for you walk away um because the universe will reward you for that courage um and for embracing that faith versus like the scarcity like oh well like this is pretty good um but if if you're communicating and um which i think is so key and the the needs are not being met and your boundaries are not being met um it's walk away let, let that go and know that better is in process already uh easier said than done but i think that's that's what i would would answer is just yeah mm, i love that and and i also will stay say that how the feminine can support the masculine is just to hold space for the emotions to flow as they need to and that's the big healing on the masculine side is that yeah you're emotional beings too <laughs> and yeah 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 repressed for so so long but it's it's just learning how to hold space on both sides for mm -hmm. in safe enough to be seen or felt yeah i think that's so key uh, on both sides right because the this is the kind of the cultural framework is like um yeah men need to be there to hold space for women but if uh, a man shows emotion um it's often met with men that are like deal with your shit like you know or like take it like take care of yourself um i shouldn't be having to take care of you but i think it's it's a two-way street um and it's a collaboration um yeah and Brene brown talks about how much power there is in vulnerability and i really truly believe that because that also creates this deeper trust and essentially you become your authentic self when you're vulnerable when you're telling mm -hmm. the truth and when you're, you know, just admitting that, yeah, you don't have it all figured out. And when that can be illustrated in a beautiful way through writing or music, I feel like that also unites us at a deeper level because it's, it's such a big permission slip to know that mm -hmm. perfect. Everyone's just trying to figure it out <laughs> and oh, yeah. admit to that the more actually we come into our mastery and do get to figure it out. It's like this irony of how like it all operates that the the less you think you know the more you actually gain in wisdom <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah well said 
Um, all right. So I have a last few questions to ask every guest. And we got into that point. Um, through it all, through the highs and lows that is this hero's journey, what do you feel has been the greatest life lesson that you've learned on your path that in this moment you feel most true to you and that you'd like to share with us? Just love yourself unconditionally. That's it. <laughs> yeah, well said. In three words, how will you describe the experience you're having on this earth? And it doesn't have to be like a sentence, but just three separate words. And you can elaborate on these words if you feel called. How I describe this journey on this earth? Yeah, in three words, how will you describe the experience you're having on this earth? Um, I'd say magical, uh, delightful, and mysterious. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, magical, delightful, and mysterious. The word that most piques my interest is magical. What is magic to you? Mm. Well, we're kind of coming up to this really amazing time of the year where the portals are opening and the veils are thin and, you know, magic is afoot. There's <laughs> <laughs> speaking closely to us and there's whispers and things. Really magic, uh, I mean, it's a whole conversation. It's it's a lifelong pursuit and study, but it's really bringing the unseen into the seen realm. It's the way I see it. It's like mm -hmm. bridging the worlds and allowing yourself to be more in this multidimensional space where you get to plug into these these abilities these sense senses that maybe you didn't think you had and allowing yourself to go through that exploration and using your imagination like the word imagination has the word magi in it which is about magic and so to know that you are living the dream and that you have the ability to make anything happen you are the master manifester uh and it it comes through that process of going into your own inner alchemy and knowing mm. and turn lead into gold as, as you go through that deeper process of taking what you started with maybe you have all these emotional things <laughs> these inputs and then going on that journey of figuring out how can i become that alchemist that that has the capacity to transform yourself into the next version of you so magic for me is really just a process of alchemy it's of of looking at really the the inputs and the outputs that bring us into that next level of resonance because it, it's all coming back to what we were talking about before it's like making that case of how are we one how are we love and how we can mm -hmm. become mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mystery also is intriguing me. One of your words is mystery, and it intrigues me because your upcoming tour that you'll be leading in Egypt is called Into the Mystery, a journey of remembering. What is mystery? Mm, yeah, well, this is also part of the divine feminine consciousness of, of learning how to step into the unknown with grace. And there is this co-conspirator that we're all working with. Let's call it God, source, divine, the universe that is working alongside us to craft this life. 
And when I think about the mystery before it was very scary <laughs> and stepping into the unknown was, oh, it was terrifying uh, because it was, it seemed like before like that there were these really high stakes that I would fail or that I would not know what I was doing. I've since dismantled all those programs. And for me now stepping into the void as they call it, is fun because <laughs> it's it's the it's a realm of infinite possibility and the more we lean into that and know that the mystery is just you know it's the unmanifest realm that is just waiting and yearning to be manifest through us through our conscious perception so that we can uh get to know our lives better and that we can also ground those dreams into this material plane and and make it happen the way our higher selves want us to to create in this world it really just yeah it becomes this this childlike exploration and adventure and you never know and that's what makes life fun it it really does like I am so uh, all about um, embracing the magic and the in the mundane as well. It's like that's another thing I'll I'll just touch on is that sometimes we think it has to be some big epic thing, some big epic adventure. And it's something I learned in my writing journey because as you're writing a memoir, you're always asking yourself like, does this matter? Is someone gonna care <laughs> that this thing happened to me? But like owning and claiming that part of our story is so important because yes, it did, did take a lot of courage to step into the unknown. And when we do that, the more we, we just like suspend our disbelief and just go, I have no idea what I'm going to encounter in this, but it's going to be cool. <laughs> and it really does. And then we start, in my personal experience has been this really amazing um, discovery of my own gifts, my deeper gifts, like the gift of my voice and how I can now channel light language codes that are really healing for people and help to activate past life memories and help to correct timelines and lots of crazy things happen in, in the private sessions that I do. I would not be doing this had I not just opened my voice during a ceremony one time and just gone, what just came out of my mouth? <laughs> I have no idea. Ooh and then lean into that and then start playing around with it. So I think stepping to the mystery and keeping that playful energy um, really go hand in, hand in hand. And it's just the way a child operates. So the more we can be like that, the more we'll be able to discover more about ourselves and, and then use that to our advantage and make whole careers out of it. You never know. Mm -hmm, absolutely. My final question, we played around with time. We've kind of examined your past, we've examined your present, and let's travel into the future. Uh, we're going to venture into a time a bit of ways from now, and we're going to be alongside an 85-year-old Leah Sonaria. Who is that woman? Where are you? Who are you surrounded by? What is the legacy that you left here in your 85 years? And what is the predominant feeling in your being? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's like hashtag elder goals. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely some of my teachers that I look up to, and I see how they live their lives, and they're just so vibrant. They're so wise. They have so much lived experience that they're sharing, and they're masters at telling their story. And I definitely want to be the one who looks back and and sees a legacy in the body of work that I've left. 
And that also is what inspires me to continue to show up for my art and my creations. And it's a good reminder in this now moment <laughs> to just like get back into certain things because these creations are always like, they're yearning to be birthed through us. And there's always, there's like a cue, there's a lineup of ones waiting in the wings being like, when's it my turn? When's it my turn? And yeah, my goal is really to, to be somebody who has, uh, examine their life and and really like i i am kind of a a cultural anthropologist amateur level but i'm always trying to make sense of of society and how we are and what it is that allows us to be in that those higher realms of fulfillment so when we uh when we start to look at like yeah every step matters and every interaction matters and and all the communities that are built up around uh these these forces you know when i think of like a really healed elder i, I think they're like they're like the hub of a wheel and they are the, the 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 anchor for their community and so building community is also really important to me and yeah being in that that deeper um communion you know like they there are some really amazing model elders that are just like the the oracles for their community and and i do see myself being that in the future and having a big family and you know all of that stuff which is just really amazing to see your lineage grow and the legacy that you're leaving and um you know something really i've been inspired by my father who's a musician and he's written over over 200 songs and he's recorded about 175 of them and he's just a prolific creator and the word prolific really just means bearing lots of fruit <laughs> and so you know if 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 anything i just want to be that grandmother tree at the center of the community that's just continually feeding everyone apples <laughs> and just being like there's more where that came from just keep being nourished by what i'm here to to give you and you know, live on and, and do your own thing. And that's, you know, to be an inspiration, I think is really the, the greatest honor because that just breeds more life and energy into the next generation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would like you just to picture this uh, 85 year old elder um, in your mind, in your mind's eye, in your heart. Um, she's vibrant, she's wise, she's a prolific creator, a master storyteller, she's built community her big families around her um she's been an oracle and i want you just to feel into that woman and i'm going to bring us into the now i'm going to bring us back where we are today and that 85 year old oracle she sends you a message leah what does she whisper in your ear You just said you got this. Hmm. <laughs> you got this. You do. You do got this. And it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure connecting with you. Mm. In this conversation. For others wanting to connect, they could find you on your website, flowpriestess.com. You have so many amazing resources on that website, including your Into the Mastery Egypt tour coming up in December. They could purchase um, the library of the Incredible Embodied Creative Summit. So that's available to purchase there. And they could also find you on Instagram at flowpriestess. 
anywhere else to send them and any last closing words if you wish yeah just don't be afraid to reach out i also have an online community called the flow temple collective on facebook and it's a it's a place where visionary creatives or anybody on this journey um can can come to share their art and receive resources and i want to also look at how i can serve that community in a, in a more consistent way as well so stay tuned but you can always just pop in and join the facebook group and yeah i i i'm just here for it all uh you know i'm constantly evolving and and learning and i always i just love to to share everything that that i i've learned so i'm so grateful for this opportunity for you to give me the platform to to show up in my authenticity and yeah all i can really say to everyone is just just you got this just like <laughs> my future self told me you got this like anything that uh you think might be standing in the way of you realizing your highest dreams or being in that highest timeline just know that it starts with you and that when you request the support it will come in and just be open to things coming in in maybe ways that you don't expect them to and that is really like we're saying like the process of stepping in the mystery and just just have fun have as much fun as you possibly can with this journey because mm -hmm. why else are we doing it <laughs> yeah absolutely thank you thank you thank you to close every conversation we bring our fist in a choice to step into the winner circle a digital fist bump boom yeah, there we go bang thank you so much leah and that's a wrap on today's call <laughs>